We open. Black and white screen. A mouse, a finger, a click. Recording. A microphone. Flowers. In the distance, a child sings a church hymn. This is what would happen if the Moria Nerd did a flashback episode. We are talking about Cowboy Bebop episodes four, five, six, and seven. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite podcast my name is drew and i am ready to talk about that jazz baby that jazz and of course i am joined with my good friend miles how are you man i am i'm doing great um i have been on on the uh the concert crit discord we have been talking weirdly enough a lot about anime recently and not just like because we're doing this it's just been a lot of news have been circulated netflix just shared uh or someone shared some concept art from the upcoming gundam film live action films coming for netflix uh, that was official the, that was released in japan officially it's ilm made a gundam <laughs> which is yeah that's awesome that's a sentence i never thought i'd say yeah it's awesome and then like literally about an hour and a half maybe two hours before we push the record button the uh one piece live action netflix cast was announced and i have no connection to that show whatsoever but those kids which they got a cool looking group of international young people and they look so excited they look like the characters that i've seen pictures of and from other One Piece fans, they seem pretty excited. Um, friends of the show, uh, Patrick and a couple of our Cosmic Crit people, they seem pretty excited. So uh, it's been a lot of anime stuff going on. And the uh, the fall season is just kicking off. Yeah. And here we are talking about something from uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, it is topical. I mean, this is something that you and I wanted to talk about. And it, we moved it because we had an actual date at the time for the Netflix live action Cowboy Bebop show, which is, was it uh, 10 days from now as of this record? Yeah, we won't be able to finish our watch of the anime before we get that far. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I also wanted to uh, we we kind of made some slight mention of how Bebop performed in Japan uh, critically. And I think we were more um, more pontificating on, on what we thought, how it might have done in Japan, whatever was released. And uh, we did get some feedback about that. Um, a podcasting friend of ours, uh, uh, John, who's uh, I think started following us around the time we started Twin Peaks. Because that they run a, a Twin Peaks uh, website, uh, twenty five years later site dot com, and they were excited that we we had never seen it, and we were all going to kind of go in with an open mind. And I, I've kept in touch with with uh, them; they're very very uh, friendly folks. Um, but they wrote uh, about the the initial release, and. Um, 
they said that Bebop didn't do great in Japan at first. And it had a, an extremely uh, cleaning it up hot garbage time slot on a minor network. So the reaction uh, in Japan, uh, oh, sorry, uh, to a reaction in Japan to uber violent animation uh, triggered in part by Evangelion's later episodes. And a few of the Bebop episodes at the time didn't even get aired. So if it hadn't done well internationally, it probably would have been forgotten kind of like how and I love that they they, they use this, how Undeclared got generally forgotten here, except for a few strong supporters. Uh, Undeclared was a live action Judd Apatow sitcom on Fox at the beginning of the 2000s that featured many, many future superstars at the uh, very beginning of their career. Seth Rogen was on that show, right? Uh, Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, uh, Jason Siegel, uh, you had uh, Amy Poehler had an appearance a couple times in there. Uh, I can't remember what his name is from uh, Sons of Anarchy. You also had, um, oh gosh, uh, let's see, Monica Kina was in there. And there was, I, de- there I definitely, so many... I watched that oh. show in the last oh. few years because it was on, I think, Netflix in the early Netflix days. It was. Loudon Wainwright was on that show. <laughs> wow. Well, like it was, it was, it was genuinely hilarious. It was such a funny show, but it was, I mean, like Freaks and Geeks before it, just it didn't get the right love. And also, Fox was known at the time for not treating certain shows right. I mean, I know science fiction fans, no matter how you feel about Joss Whedon now, for years opined the, of the treatment of Firefly by the network in, in terms of marketing, placement, all that stuff. Um, so that that was going on with Bebop. But just like uh, a couple of shows from, from anime that have done well over here and got kind of a second look in Japan, uh, I remember when we first started really talking a lot about one of your great passions, Drew, you you mentioned to me that, you know, Wing was kind of a tepid response in Japan, but it here, that's what Gundam is. It's the show because it was the first one that was over here. And I, I, I would imagine it got some sort of reevaluation after it became such a phenomenon, because I, I mean, I know people who I've shown 0079 to and they're like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, this is Gundam. And they're like, that's not Gundam. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's all it's all what you it's like what your first doctor is, you know? Um, yes. Well, let's get into it because we decided to cover four episodes this week just to see if we could get away with it. And uh, let's get down to it because we have some very interesting episodes as we dive into more of the story, uh, especially in one of these episodes in particular. But let's get started with episode four, Gateway Shuffle. Uh, so we, we, this episode opens on Faye and her tiny little ship without fuel, eating all of her rations not knowing exactly what to do, trying to hail passerby ships. Uh, <laughs> and this this episode is, is an odd one uh, because Jet and, and Spike are, are on a bounty for someone named Twinkle Maria Murdoch, who is a leader of the space warriors, which is an eco terror. Oh, that's not what their bounty is. They're there oh, for someone else. That's right. Their bounty is the other guy that's sitting there that they right. happen to. Uh, that the space warriors happen to to interrupt. And uh, I'm just going to say, 
This episode's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, so this one, I I love this episode because it it kind of stops and gives you some character quirks. One of my favorite, you know, Spike Spiegel is one of my favorite characters in anime, and it's one of those. And this is why sometimes I struggle with my placement. It's there is always a certain thing about loving something that is often considered the best or is extremely popular and thought of as the best. Because especially as a nerd, you're kind of like, ah, but is it, you know, it's it's sometimes you're 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 kind of uh pushing against that. But Spice Beagle is one of my my favorite anime characters of all time. And he's so he's so easy to love. He's so easy to find to be the coolest guy ever. And yeah, you're right. You don't want to like him as much as you do because you feel like it's, you know, it's it's of course I think Spike is cool. Blah, blah, blah. But if you no. told me Abbey Road was your favorite record of all time, you know, like it's a Beatles record. You know, and there, and there's nothing wrong with Abbey Road, but it's just like, oh, man. It, it's one of those kind of things, you know what I mean? In, yeah, in a way, in a way. Yeah. Anyway, I oh, mean, not uh, that I'm a massive Beatles fan. I was just trying to use an, an album that a lot of people consider one of the best. Um, But so there's a moment where where Spike is clearly the audience kind of picks up on cues where there is this little little container that Faith finds. And we we kind of get it. We get the implication that this thing is very important but we don't know why. And then we constantly get visual clues as to what it might be. And here Spike is just fiddling with it like a fidget spinner. <laughs> Trying and, to get and it goofing open. around with it and, and busting it. And he, and you can tell by the way that, um, uh, name, uh, Marie, um, tw- twinkle Maria Murdoch. Yeah, Twinkle Maria Murdoch. Okay, the way she's reacting is she knows that that thing is dangerous. But we still don't quite know why or how dangerous. And so I think this 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 show does a good job of of giving you some of these little character twitches of everybody. It's it's definitely a show that it's kind of it's still an adventure, but it's also it's breathing room, especially before. some of the the upcoming episodes. Uh, I think particularly the next one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, I like that the show does this because it it knows that, OK, at this point, you're along for the ride. We're still going to tell you a, a, a pretty fun story. It's got like a weird, you know, basiness to it. Like, OK, here, here's how we're going to handle how ecoterrorism kind of exists in this world. But we're also going to give you these the kind of zoom out and kind of give, let these let these characters breathe a little bit. You're not going to get a lot from them, but you're you're getting a little bit. And I really appreciate that. I like I think an episode like this lets you have moments like Spike goofing around with what we find out is a massively uh, dangerous virus. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a virus called monkey business that will uh, basically de-evolve humans that it gets in contact with and so, i i think this this also gives you a little bit of an observation on the weird i, I read a piece where it, where like they're talking about how the 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 cast of bebop is more or less neutral good 
because they're bounty hunters. But in this world, bounty hunter is a legal profession that is supported by law enforcement. So they they have uh, Twinkle Marie Murdoch. However, because what we don't what they don't know is the bounty has been rescinded. So now if they keep her. They they're criminals, they're kidnappers. And so it's 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 really interesting because they're also they're actively trying to not be on the wrong side of the law because they just want to get the money. And so it's, <laughs> it's it, it, it kind of deals with a little bit of the the intricacies that can happen in a system like this. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, uh, this is also we're we're exploring another aspect of the 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 solar system in the world of Cowboy Bebop. This is our first look at Ganymede, which is a moon of Jupiter, uh, and it is known for the uh, what is it called? The Ganymede Sea Rat. Is that what it's called? Yes, which basically looks like a bunch of seals. It looks like it looks like a seal. But the the the, the interesting thing about it is and, and again, it's stuff that I love about this because this has happened to real life foods. The Ganymede sea rat was apparently a staple food of people colonizing uh, the moon when they were colonizing it. But then sales slumped about it. So there was a big marketing campaign to make it a delicacy. <laughs> and even though it tastes awful, people pay a huge amount of money for it. And it's a huge staple uh, 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 harvest that they do. And that's what the the, the eco terrorists, the space warriors are against. They want to. Uh, stop the the uh, the 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 hunting and fishing of the Ganymede sea rat, uh, which but, I think is a as a as a hilarious commentary on how the a lot of the fine dining industry actively works, especially when it comes to food that is not native to uh, the place in which you're in, and because a lot a lot of food that ends up being uh, more boutique or expensive started off being more or less street food. A lo- lobster was was a I mean, lobster was not a delicacy for a very long time. Right. <laughs> I mean, same with sushi. I mean, sushi is a, a, a place where you, know, you, you can get it, like, I mean, here now we have a lot of places that kind of offer like, you know, pretty affordable, if not, you know, good sushi. But it, where it started was basically street food that got popularized. And I, I think that I think that taking an idea like that, where I mean, you you see now because there's so many foodie YouTube things. I mean, stuff that I grew up with where like I've seen gourmet grit restaurants. Like grits. <laughs> and if you're from the South, you know what grits are. And I, I've been to one in Charleston. It's act. It's very delicious. But it's just wild to me that this dirt cheap food that I grew up eating against my will at my grandma's house, like is now being served in this super nice, like uh, reconstructed, like farm table style brunch place and and they're selling it for <laughs> like 10 times what we paid for grits when we ten, were kids yeah 10 times more than the the dollar packet of microwave grits which i'm just gonna say for listeners out there who have never had grits uh grits if prepared properly are delicious you throw a little butter oh, yes. in there you throw a little cheese in there mm-hmm. Mwah wonderful wonderful food uh it needs it needs to be it needs to be outside of just the southeast united states yes uh and grits not prepared properly or prepared lazily 
is, uh, as they would call it in Oliver Twist, gruel. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I, the, the, word, the word that comes to mind. Yeah, you don't want watery grits. You don't want watery grits. Um, <laughs> but so I, no, I, I, and I appreciate these little touches. I, I think the world building in Cowboy Bebop is so good because I don't feel like you ever get a world history of of the world in which they're living in. We get we get fragments here and there. I think the movie goes into a little bit more of the colonization of Mars, um, but they do all these little things that make the entire system that in which that uh, Cowboy Bebop exists so rich that it doesn't matter that I don't have a, you know, a, the, a, a hardcover book, the world of Cowboy Bebop, the universe of Cowboy Bebop. I still feel that this universe is actively lived in and an interesting place where they're also commenting on things in the 21st century or 20th century. Yes. And, and there, there we also get a little more information. Like I, I do want to talk about, uh, about the villain's uh, name, uh, not her name, her her wardrobe. And I'm sorry, I keep having to refer to my notes to remember what her name is because Twinkle Maria Murdoch. I always forget the twinkle part, but it's never Twinkle Murdoch. It's never Maria Murdoch. It's Twinkle Maria Murdoch. And she is dressed as this sort of in this gown with this like done up hair. Uh, she looks like a, she looks like a villainous in a Victorian English uh, play. Like, right. Uh, but uh, but she's got these these lackeys that all refer to her as mom. And. Oh, it's just so it's so strange. And and they wear these these sea rat he- like helmets, the sea rat masks. It's it's such a weird, goofy thing that, you know. It, it doesn't seem like it would work, but it works. It's fun. It's interesting. It is. It, it is intentionally silly in the right ways and intentionally serious in the right ways. Uh, and, and and really comes off as though I would not call this uh, a necessary ep- episode uh, outside of one particular element of the story. It does add a little bit of extra uh, oomph to, to the season. Uh, and I do say uh, necessary because uh, once again, the crew of the bebop, does not get a bounty, uh, does not earn any money at the end of this episode. It's becoming kind of a of a trend. And uh, Faye decides that she's going to to hitch a ride with with Spike and Jet and and stick around I with them for a love while. it. I love it. I love Faye. I, I, I love all of these characters. And I I guess because of the new show, there has been a lot of. Clickbait pieces about, you know, preferred watching order or what you need to watch before Cowboy Bebop airs. And and my attitude is, is constantly it's a 26 episode anime. Just watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's not a massive time commitment. I, 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 I personally and this is a spoiler for the rest of the, this month or whatever. I don't think any episode is really wasted. I think even episodes like this allow you to breathe a little bit with the characters. And that's that's fun for me. I don't think everything needs to be quote unquote necessary. Well, it, it all comes down to episode links. Like if you look back at the the 80s and a lot of the 90s, most TV shows that were big were 50 something episodes. Then there were the 25, 26 episode series like Cowboy Bebop. Now that's changed a bit. Now the maximum episode length for a series is 25 episodes and the short length is 10 to 12 episodes and you see that spot (laughs) and and you see that all over all over different things so when that happens 
if if Cowboy Bebop was released, well, I say when Cowboy Bebop is released <laughs> in, in just a few short days here, we are talking about five episodes. Uh, I guess you no, know, the three plus. We're talking. We're talking about seven episodes. I'm going to tell you probably a couple of these aren't going to make a, uh, any any kind of impact on the live action series. A couple definitely will, or elements from them will, but it's it's going to be a different story. It's it's hard to say. It's hard to say what they're going to do and what they're adapting, what they're keeping, or you know, if they're taking some of these episodes and stretching them out longer. I, it's it's really difficult to say. Um, I I'm not really expecting a format where you get several cases in a row. Um, I think you are going to get you know at least one or two bounties at first, but I mean, I guess we'll see. I think we're going to, um, we'll get I, I a just, couple of setup episodes that... to get the crew together. And then they're going to, I, I just feel like they're probably going to dive into the overarching spike story. But I, I don't think this is a limited series. So they may be saving stuff for a, a proposed set second season. Well, we know they're going to, we know they're getting a second season because one of the principal members of the cowboy bebop crew who is not introduced until episode nine of of the anime is not in the first season at all. Well, so that's the weird thing. I thought they said that they have cast it, that character, and that they might appear. I, I missed that if they said it, but I just they haven't been featured in anything yet. And if no, they have not, and if which they're introduced, which, which it's probably to going to be the, at the end. the end of the series. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which also leads me to, I, I, I guess my biggest fear is I hope they don't just distill the the main arc. Like, I hope that's not what's taking over the, these seven ep- or eight episodes or however long it is. I'm going to um, be honest with you. I think that's likely. I mean, there it's going to be an aspect of it. We, we, we have literally seen a scene from the trailer mirror a scene from the next episode, Ballad of Fallen Angels. Yeah, well, oh, so let's say, do we have any any other comment on on Gateway Shuffle? I I do like that they you know, are. I think it's I think it's fun. That's I it. do like that they're 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 talking more about the technology behind things, hyperspace and the hyperspace gates and and stuff like that. I think that's interesting. It's stuff that they they really just kind of drip out the background information of what's going on in this show in a way that. Um, if it was any other show, I'd be annoyed by because I want to know how everything works. But in this, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of good with it. I definitely feel that um, that Bebop kind of I don't want to say lived in or is inspired necessarily by some of the more I, I would say prestige science fiction anime. Um, there, I, I feel that there's a lot of of Tamino's influence in this world. And the stuff that influenced Gundam. And just in the way that everything looks, the way that some of these places are lived in. I like how they show how some of these asteroids are. Uh, because, you know, I, I asked you at one point, I was like, hey, is that supposed to be an Anil cylinder? And you're like, no, it's an asteroid. I'm like, oh, okay. But there's still an aesthetic style that I feel like... I don't want to say hard science fiction, but yeah, I mean, a lot of this is kind of hard science fiction. There's nothing super out there a lot of the time. I would say outside of a couple of things and one of which happened in one of the episodes that we watched this this week. This is pretty hard sci fi, but even even that and we'll get to that in a second. It's still like working with it's still Star Trek level. I think sci fi. 
Like, I think it's still like, yes, it's kind of made up, but it's using, you know, some real science to try to, you know, goof up a little bit. So it's like, well, OK. Like, I, I mean, would you agree with me that this doesn't really go outside the 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 Star Trek level of fantasy when they when they when they fudge their science? I'd say that's probably true. Um, I wouldn't call Star Trek hard sci-fi. No offense to Star Trek and no offense to hard sci-fi. Um, I, I think this is typically harder than than what you would see in a star trek but but yeah it's it's not like like you can justify just about anything in this show that we have seen at least so far again it's been a while i was actually talking well i was talking to Rebecca about this at dinner tonight it's like i know i've seen this show and i know what the end of this show is but i honestly can't remember if i've actually seen the end the final episode of the show you know, what's so funny. I'm right there with you. I I've I know I've watched most of this show and I know how the show ends. I don't think I've seen the final episode of the show. And it's it's because back when it was on, you had to be there to watch it. You couldn't just stream the entire thing like we're doing right now. Uh, it I mean, was, I, it was I, appointment had no, viewing. I, have, I have no excuse. I've owned this show since college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, let's move on to the next episode. And. I'm going to argue maybe the most important episode for at least one particular character that we have seen so far. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a main story arc type of, of it's, it's the, um, what did, what did they call them in the X files where you had your monsters of the week and then you had your, like it, like the, the cigarette smoking man kind of episodes where, okay, well, th- now we're going to talk about the big conspiracy, the big overarching story. Yeah, these are the uh, these are I, the the story episodes. I we'll yes. figure out that we'll figure out the name of what that's called later on. Uh, but this is episode five, Ballad of Fallen Angels. Uh, so our our episode opens uh, in a a meeting between what appear to be two um, organized crime families meeting and and shaking hands and commenting on on you know the the view from one of their buildings and. Uh, it looks like there's there's going to be the end of some kind of of violence between the two. And of course, that means that there's going to be a lot of violence uh, that happens as a, a, a long, a long white haired character walks in and basically kills everybody in the room with his with his team. Um, and that's where the, the next step happens, where you, you have Spike and Jet very tensely talking about a bounty uh, for for someone named Mao Yenrai, who we have just seen get murdered <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and what that means and why. And, and Spike is ready to run off and 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 go after it. And and Jet's trying to get him to slow down and, and stop and, and figure out what's going on. And there's some real tension between the two of them. And I really, really like it. I think this, this episode is extremely stylish. This episode is one of the coolest episodes, and I know I sound like a 12 year old saying that, but this is. Well, there is a good reason for that, Drew, that this this especially the epic shootout in the cathedral is just a massive homage to John Woo's The Killer starring Chai Young-Fat. And if you can think of Chai Young-Fat from his his Hong Kong action movies. He's the one that kind of him and John Woo kind of set the staple of the guy walking in, the bird flying out and, you know, guns blazing everywhere. 
in in the most stylish way you can think of all while a church hymn plays in the background <laughs> oh that, that happens like i mean that is that is such a staple of old hong kong action films and that the homage there is great i i love this episode and i know i was just talking about you know appreciating needing room to breathe but i will also say I adore the story episodes because they do such a great job of giving you these fleshed out characters who are reacting like the, the, the fight between Jet and Spike. We don't get all the information behind it. However, so much is communicated within that scene that we could break down that scene like, OK, these guys have worked together for a long time. They know enough about each other that they can kind of needle at one another, but they also don't know specific things about each other's past. And they both know the other is more of a don't ask, don't tell yeah. type of deal. And, and like we, and, we've and seen that's, Spike that's and code between them. We've seen Spike and Jet have this, this sort of unspoken bond and spoken bond. But we do learn uh, through, through a scene that, that Spike has, has with a character named Annie uh, that he has been, dead quote unquote for around three years so all works like because we get to see spike he's still a goop he's still a goober in in some scenes but then like on a dime and that's what i love about spike when when things are serious to him he's serious like everything with annie is mostly like at first he's being a little kind of laid back but as soon as they start really talking, he is present. He's not goofing around. And even at the end, he's like, I'll take that drink. You know, and everything about the way he is treating this particular bounty is there's a gravity to it. And that kind of thing can really endear a character because, yes, he could have been goofing off and been basically space looping and we still would have had a great time with him. But the fact that we get these really serious moments with him and this, you know, seemingly harrowing backstory, like there, there's some really good, like just good old fashioned, like gang backstory that we're we're privy to a little bit. And it definitely wants you to kind of think about okay well where does spike really come from who is that woman like who is that to him and all of that crescendos with this this whole bounty being an absolute mess and just introducing this character vicious who has a connection to spike wants spike dead and and, and uses the bounty as a very obvious plot because one moment that i love is that Spike knows from the very beginning that Finrau is dead. Yes. Or, uh, or did I say his name wrong? Um, Yinrai. Yinrai is dead. Uh, yes. And, and that that's just. That's that's great that he just knows already. Uh, um, actually, weird. I have Finrau in my notes and then I have Yinrai and something else. So I don't know. remember which one it is. Uh, <laughs> it might be one of those things that just translated differently. Um, but but you do have vicious and we don't learn a lot about vicious here, except that we know from a flashback that happens after their fight that he and Spike were on the same side. They worked together at a certain point. And right. Something happened between the two of them, probably surrounding. Uh, I mean, maybe Julia. surrounding uh, Julia, which we, we don't even know her name at this point, do we? 
uh, I can't remember if he says it in passing. I think he does say in passing to Annie. Um, but we don't know who that is at first because we haven't seen her really. And so he just he 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 makes a passing reference to her at some point. Um, but we also get all, this whole montage is wordless for the most part, except for uh, I think a couple of Julia's lines. But like everything with Vicious, it like this this you see this one scene of them like back to back shooting a bunch of dudes like you know Butch and Sundance style and. So yeah, we get we get the the information that they used to be on, if not on the same side, but maybe like brothers or partners or or something, and and we don't get any answers because at the end of this fight, <laughs> uh, Spike gets basically uh, knocked off the out of out the cathedral cathedral window, and uh, he gets knocked out of the cathedral window. And it looks like things are bad, but then we get the flash. And this is one thing that I love because Spike has done this in every episode so far. Dude has close up magic. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's got pickpocket skills. You see that he has tossed a, a, a grenade with the pin pulled behind Vicious as he's been thrown uh, to to basically just one last middle finger. If this yeah. is the end. <laughs> <laughs> which we don't we, we don't get to see that blast, which I was kind of bummed out about. Um, but I I know I love that scene. And then we were treated to a, uh, a scene where this this woman has been nursing Spike back to health and he closes his eyes and, you know, he, he wakes up and, and Faith is there. Faith is there. And I don't know why I said Faith. Um, it's not Buffy. But, well, because because literally a song that plays in this in this uh, opera in an opera house in this episode is just Ave Maria. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Well, that Which, and like they're they're singing like a version of Sam Cooke's uh, "What Soul Represents," uh, both Julia and Faye. And 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 after everything that's happened, you're you're waiting for this 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 great moment that kind of like really hammers everything down but spike can't help being spike and so he kind of struggles to talk and Faye, you know gets up to him what'd you say and he goes you're singing is off pitch <laughs> or off key <laughs> and then she just like you just hear him scream because you know she storms off and you know jet of course is like <laughs> because i he he always takes pleasure when Faye and Spike are fighting, although he gets equally as irritated with Faye as well. But whatever, it's just the two of them. He always thinks it's funny. <laughs> so I do want to talk a little bit about Faye in this episode because I, I like Faye's presence here uh, for the most part. Um, yeah. As Spike goes jetting off that, that poor choice of words because there's a character named Jet in this show. As Spike goes racing off to, you know, seemingly half cocked as we don't know what he knows and doesn't know. Uh, Faye decides to 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 pal around with Jet a little bit, and she goes off to try to to sneak into this opera house in order to basically get the bounty to try to help get the bounty and get some of the money. And she is, of course, treat and I gotta say, she like the costuming for Faye in this scene is fantastic with the 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 gown that she's wearing. It's really good. Uh, like. This is some 90s anime style throughout this entire episode that I just love. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, part of the opera scene kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, 
fifth element. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and of just, course, just the way that goes, I know it's a little bit more of um, a, um, what was I going to say, a, a tribute to the mar- uh, Marathon Man. But I, I, I love stuff like that. Like stuff that, stuff, scenes like that just kind of give a sense of scope. And, and like you said, there, there was a specific uh, 20th century, late 90s style there from yeah from the way she's dressed but even from the way they do i, I want to say everybody in in that one the way everyone's kind of in a specific style of you know their their black tie yeah affair and everything about this this episode works for me from from the design standpoint from the way the entire city feels the 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 little sit down with annie the conversations with vicious where they're having this fight and and you know they're not really being philosophical because vicious just comes off as a psychopath and like you're not really getting any insight into their relationship or into vicious you just know that okay they hate each other and they want to kill each other. And that's about it. And that, um, and that both of them had some sort of connection to the guy that vicious killed in the, in the very first part of the, the episode. Right. I, I, and I think that's what I love about this episode is it gives you so much information about the main characters in this show with also not giving you much information about the characters in this show. You get a lot of information, but no context for any of it, which yes, is, which is, which is that. good. And the, yeah, you, you basically get a, a couple of factoids that mean a lot because we haven't spent a whole lot of quality time with like who these people really are. You know, we've gotten some of their quirks and we know what they're they're kind of about, but we don't really know them. So g- getting any insight at this point feels like we're big, being given so much. But when we sit and talk about it, it's like, oh, well, we don't know anything still. I, I love that. I I think the. The storytelling in this show is just masterful. So you mentioned in the last episode we talked about that the the, the Cowboy Bebop crew seems uh, uh, neutral good. And I just have to point yeah. out how many people Spike straight up murders in this episode because he is not messing around. Well, he's also killing people who are trying to kill him. Sure. But he's like, not going. He's not. He's not walking around Dirty Harry style and just plugging people left and right. He's he's shooting people who are, are have already shot him. Well, in that well, I I, I don't think so because remember, Vicious has kidnapped Faye, and you mentioned the Marathon Man. I do want to kind of call out that scene because it's it's really effective. Uh, Faye gets gets kind of lured to this opera booth where she is supposed to meet the person the the meet the 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 bounty that she's trying to bring in. She, uh, we, the audience knows that he's already dead, but she doesn't know that. And they find him sitting there and she looks over and his throat is slit. And of course she gets kidnapped by vicious's crew at that point. Um, and so she is kidnapped sort of as a, uh, as a trap to, to kind of lure spike in, uh, all stuff that, that works really well. Um, I, this is going to be a weird, uh, Weird thing to say, Miles, because we need to talk about physics a little bit. Okay. A door closing. A door opening. A hail of machine gun fire and a guy falling to his death are all things that have impacted 
physics of a particular character. And it's weird. Uh-huh. It's it's very 90s and it's maybe the thing that is the weirdest thing about this show. <laughs> I, I I just I think this episode is at the same time, like I could see someone saying, oh, well, you need to watch, you know, the first episode and then and then this one to which I would say, no, <laughs> like, no, you have I, to I, you have I, to watch I, the episodes where you introduce Faye. You have to get all like it's it's you, you need the context of who these people are when we're not looking, not this, just the juicy story bits. This this show. Intravenously trickles storyline into episodes that don't seem like they have it. Even in episodes where it do, it's not the biggest deal that the one thing or another thing is happening, there's t- usually something in the background that answers a larger part of what's going on, not necessarily for the characters that we are attached to, but for the whole world as a whole. Um, and that's going to be even more important in the next episode that we cover. Uh, before we do that, Miles, any final uh, any final commentary on episode five, Ballad of Fallen Angels? No, I, I think I've I've been pretty clear about how much I love it. <laughs> it's a fantastic episode. Uh, the, the music is great. The 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 animation is great. Um, Jet drinks a, a cola called uh, Pipu, which is very funny to me because uh, it's, it's it, Pepsi. It's just Pepsi. Um, I don't know why I find and, that so funny. And but it's I do. interesting because this show on a whole has great animation, but there are some episodes like the one coming up that have moments where I'm like, well, maybe they were cutting some corners. Which happens. I mean, there are plenty of times when you have a limited animation budget and you spend more on some episodes than you do on others. And that is something that has happened. Uh, it's a tale as old as time when it comes to, to anime. Um, yeah, like there's some scenes that that clearly work pretty well, but there's there's others where I kind of felt like, yeah, they 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 were scaling back on the budget for that episode for a little bit. Um, but let, let, let's get into it. Uh, this one's called Sympathy for the Devil, uh, obviously a reference to the song of the same name by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and this one is is another one that kind of deals specifically with with music. We've got a lot of blues. We have a lot of blues references in in this episode and so drew you were telling me before we started there was one episode that you didn't quite love is this the one <laughs> yes this is the one i don't okay, love this cool. episode um i'm kind of with you i like this episode i i think it's got a cool last week we talked about how they wanted each episode to kind of feel like a little mini movie and this definitely feels like you turned a classic sci-fi noir story on like fast forwards times eight and so you get all the beats you know you get that they're going they're looking for this bounty and then well the bounty gets killed but the but the the bounty actually says something weird to spike about protecting somebody and he looks up and he sees an old man in a wheelchair and a child and rightfully assumes that the child is the one in danger like you would and yeah, and so it, it kind of sets him on this weird story. And this episode is a little inf- was a little infamous at the time because it was unaired uh, due to a child being killed on screen, and <laughs> not just being killed, <laughs> getting shot in the head twice. Well, think about where we were when this aired. 
You know, yeah. we were not not far removed from Columbine and yeah. we were right right uh in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. So sensitivity to certain types of things. Heck, the Buffy season two, I think it's two or three uh finale was delayed or outright canceled in America because of this kind of thing. Like this wasn't just you know, a show on Cartoon Network. These, these were that was in the the height of Buffy's popularity, and hmm. that finale was was moved. I think it was season three. Uh, whichever one has like the school being destroyed. I think that's season Sorry. three. Yeah, I think it's three. Um. So, because this one, yeah, this one's very adult. It feels much more mature in its themes than some of the other ones have not that the other ones ever felt childlike but this one's just a little darker in its story um there's not a ton of whimsy there's you know a couple of of scenes you know we get a uh a little scene of Faye where you think she's gonna feed i but she eats the dog food instead saying that like you know but that ladies need to be pampered and they're delicate creatures or something she, she's eating dog food it's it's a pretty good moment um th- this especially because ep- ein ein is like happy-go-lucky and then as soon as he realized what's happened that they the, the animation did such a good job on, on this particular moment where his face just drops and is just like depressed <laughs> <laughs> and i mean and, and in that moment it makes you mad at Faye because you know you don't make I unhappy. He's the best boy. Uh, so there, there's a, a couple of things in this episode I do want to talk about. One, um, this is the second appearance of Spike's uh, circular like surveillance glasses. And yeah, those things we, are rad. We compared Spike to Vash the Stampede from Trigun <laughs> last episode, and those mm-hmm. glasses don't really help in that comparison between the two of them. They look very similar when he's wearing those glasses. Uh, it, yes, it, it, um, it's, also, it's also interesting to me because I think I watched Trigun. I, I must have watched Trigun before I watched Cowboy Bebop, but I always think of Trigun as coming later. But no, it was ahead of Bebop. What did it air here after the fact? I don't I don't I don't know. I don't because it, it may that. have been ahead of Bebop, but we may not have gotten it until later. I'd have to look that up. I don't know. Uh, I, I, cer- I certainly saw it after Bebop. I, I, I can I can say that for certain. Um, I, I like I like I'll always love when the episodes have these like kind of musical type uh, focuses like this one's on the blues and because you are you are, it's always fun to see what they're going to do. Like they, they play some great harmonica music and Jet professes to being a a big blues fan. And there's this great little back and forth where Spike's like, I thought you liked jazz. Don't be dense. I started wailing the blues when the doctor whacked my bottom on the day I was born. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like, it's great little moments like that. And, oh, and that, that, that's also paired up when we're introduced to another character, another bounty hunter that, that shows up in this episode. Oh, yes. Whose name is Fatty Rivers. <sighs> what a... <laughs> Which is a, a reference to a legendary blues musician, Muddy Waters. Yeah. Fatty Rivers, but like Fatty Rivers, is great. I excited <laughs> because I don't remember. I hope to see more of Fatty Rivers because I, I, I loved him. I want to see live action Fatty Rivers, and if they don't give me live action Fatty Rivers, will Netflix call me season two? We'll make it happen. But uh, Fatty, <laughs> I can't. 
I'll play Fatty Rivers in uh, season two. But um, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, Drew. You might be self-deprecating, but you you were nowhere close to Fatty Rivers. You, you said I'm short. I'm too short to play Fatty Rivers. I see how it is, Miles. I see how it is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, uh, but but Fatty. Uh, <laughs> I can't get over that name. <laughs> uh, he's got this bushy mustache and this this blonde ponytail he look he looks like say if, that he's the inspiration for uh armstrong from fma he's anime wilford brimley is what he is <laughs> yeah i i can totally see that <laughs> and, um, and i love it because he's he's another bounty hunter they're at this club and jet sees him he's oh great fatty rivers is here he's looking for the same person so that's when jet decides but fatty rivers it's been a and you know pal around with him while spike goes off trying to to stalk the bounty it's a great moment because we never we we haven't seen them compete for a bounty before yet and and it's such it's such a subtle thing but you can hear it in the way that 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 jet says what he says to fatty calls him out by name to make this big deal that he wants he wants the 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 he wants the the bounty to make them so that he sees and you can see fatty do the same thing because fatty also calls out jet by name by full right. name and and they start ta- and ta- you know talking very openly about it it's a it's a wonderful little little moment that they don't draw too much attention to and if you're not ready to to understand that's what's going on in that scene it's just it's just great um the but i want to talk about uh <laughs> I want to talk about the names of the two, the two, the bounty. His name's Giraffe. He's trying mm-hmm. to rescue his buddy Zebra. Yep. Oh, you know what? The I'm assuming these are code names, but what, 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 whatever. Um, I do love that that, and this is one of those times that you can find things when when uh, Jet has their their sort of bios pulled up on screen. You can pause it and you can see like more information about their history just it's only for a moment and in the world of streaming or dvd or whatever you can just pause it and read and it's just fun to to see the sort of uh background inf- information on these two uh with the exception of the fact that there's a couple of typos uh because of translation errors like the word laboratory is translated as lavatory <laughs> oh no <laughs> and uh so they are uh they 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 were both uh uh wanted for for disruption of a lavatory which is very funny to me that I is very funny find that very very funny but we should probably talk about the real main bad guy here the character when mm-hmm. uh, the little kid who is actually 98 years old or something. some some kind of age um we don't actually know the actual years yet. Um, Wikipedia has him listed as 62. But that's not necessarily that doesn't seem to be right based on what happens to him at the end of the episode. Right. And he never uh, he, the only reference to time is that he, he mentions that that um, that zebra is the third person that he's used as a decoy parent or something. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that Wynn is dressed like a little tiny loop in the third, which is great. Yes. Um, so so Wynn appears to be 12, and we learn that he is actually very old. 
I would say more than 62 just based on how he is acting uh, because he is acting like someone who is is much older and much angrier uh, about what's going on. Um, And then we get his as part of this episode, we get his backstory and, and he is from Earth. This is the first time we have seen Earth in this show. And we see him playing the harmonica as he has done multiple times throughout this episode uh, as uh, to presumably his parents. And then you see this bright light shining and you see something happening in the sky. It looks like it is on the moon. And then it is a wash of of fire from the sky, light from the sky. And he basically stands up unharmed from underneath the the charred corpses of his family and it's pretty messed up and another reason why this episode was not aired in the united states for a while yes um and i i thought it was a cool explanation because you know we don't know how a hyperspace gate would fully work so if there was an explosion and that energy fell down. Sure. Something weird could happen. Now it also says that it knocked out his circadian rhythm. And because of that, he just, there's a really I bad. I need a produces a substance like melatonin that inhabit, inhibits aging. That's the theory in a nutshell. And I'm fine with that. Like if, if look, if I, if I'm fine with Peter Parker got these powers by being bitten by a radioactive spider, I can handle this. Yeah, it's fine. Because it's just, it's just what if a spider bites you in real life, you're not getting powers radioactive thing, or not. The thing about it to me is that it's like. Melatonin, I don't think is what prevents you from aging. I don't know. Isn't that the sleep? Isn't that sleepy time chemical? <laughs> melatonin does a couple of things, but they, they don't say it's melatonin. It's a, they say it produces a substance like melatonin. So the, this substance has a different property to it that inhibits aging. Well, it doesn't just inhibit aging. It also prevents death because as Spike confronts him for the first time, Spike literally shoots him in the forehead. Yes. And he goes and runs up and dude's gone. Dude is okay, gone. He, he even tells Spike that he can't he can't die. Uh, but but when Jet gives us this explanation. That we both kind of just read a little bit from that's that he's really describing what the condition he has is. And so we don't need to be told again that like, hey, this is also why he doesn't die. It's just like, oh, well, he's, you know, this is why he is the way he is. And this this one one gem (laughs) that you have the one bullet for. Can 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 stop it. Yeah. And that and that this is really to me why this episode doesn't seem doesn't land as well as the others that we've watched because we have gotten about as much information about the, the, the bounties uh, that, that they're going after in this show. But this one just, I don't know. There's not, it, it seems to lack the personal connection that we have seen with, with the others so far. Um, I mean, I, I think it's, it, I think it's a, a perfectly fine, episode it's not my favorite i i I agree with you it does lack a little bit of that for lack of a better term that magic like it it's i think it's a good episode it's a good episode of cowboy bebop but it 
in comparison to the other episodes that we have watched and to the next episode, I think it, it lacks a little bit of like you like you said, there's that personal touch that's just somehow not quite there. It's still good, but it's just not quite like. But for me, like we're we're talking about a series, a, a series filled with A and A plus episodes, an episode being a B plus, not a bad thing uh, or a C minus even. Um it's still, certainly not a C minus. Don't be a, insane. Still a passing grade. Um, I I did like the, the there's the scene at the end where Spike is is confronting uh this this tiny murderer uh after he has just brutally killed a cab driver. This this kid takes no prisoners, and we should say part of his part of his whole deal is that he doesn't want to be captured because they do experiments on him and it's torture and he lives through it because he can't die. And again, that stuff that just handled a little differently would have landed. I I think with another pass at the script, this could have been a really interesting episode. It's like I said, it's still good, but it, I, I, I think you're right. I think that they could have rearranged how some of this information was presented or how some of these scenes played out. And we would have had, the the right stew so uh but spike does uh spike looking a lot like ash from evil dead in the in a scene surrounded by fire (laughs) (laughs) um shoots wind with with the bullet again wind takes that bullet straight to the dome and then like akira style like shrivels and shakes around and becomes all gaunt and definitely looks Way older than 62, if that's how old he was supposed to be. Um, and I, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to hear you making uh, references to Ash from Evil Dead. It's. It's nice. Oh, yeah. I, I know it's because you and Rebecca, like your your Halloween movie was basically uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, but it 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 warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> I might I would have said Ash from Army of Darkness, but I I decided I would have to, been uh... fine with that, too. I love <laughs> Army of Darkness. So anyway, but uh, dude does an awful lot of talking for somebody with a hole in the on his head. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, he does. And, and then he just kind of dies Oof. and that's it. That's the end of the episode. and. I don't know. It just it doesn't. It's not a, a satisfying moment. Uh, the only thing, I, the only other thing, the last thing I want to say about this episode is when when is playing his harmonica um, uh, during certain parts, we see this. We see Spike kind of zone out and what appears to be a sort of a dreaming flashback that he's having of work being done on him, presumably building his body back after he was next to dead uh with what happened i don't know if we're ever going to see anything like this again but it was interesting uh, so let's move on to i i gotta be honest uh one of my favorites uh heavy metal queen because this episode was just so endearing to me i thought it was a blast and the I, I wrote the npc but the the supporting cast character of this episode is one of my favorite supporting cast characters of of any bounty episode so far <laughs> so so this episode heavy metal queen the the crew is out to find uh, a bounty named decker who is a 
trucker that is running a load of of explosives uh and so here we go already uh drew just just for the folks at home just for for prosperity uh or posterity uh tell me what massive science fiction franchise has a main character named decker uh that would be uh blade runner yes sir despite the fact that he looks like woody allen which was so like distracting this time around watching it (laughs) (laughs) so this episode is interesting because we are introduced to a character vt she is a a super awesome like space trucker trucker, basically and i gotta say the space trucker ships are really cool i like them a lot in a a world that has a lot of cool ships the space trucker ships and the way that they that they're organized and laid out and how they sort of connect different like cargo pods to them it works very well for me i like it a lot no i whenever they do this stuff where it involves i mean yes the high society stuff is really interesting but whenever you get involved in the the kind of blue collar work of a sci-fi environment uh universe or world whatever you're working with in this case a universe i i just think it's infinitely more interesting and so we get this this awesome character, the Strucker VT, who's also got a cat named Zeros and seems to have a chip on her shoulder about bounty hunters. But she's just her initial thing is she just got off uh, a run. She wanted to go have a drink at the bar and then go home. And of course, the there was a, a bounty for this man named Decker, who somehow everyone found out was there so the entire bar is filled with all these bounty hunters including a very hungover spike which is hilarious hungover spike is very very funny <laughs> and uh um there the, the, it's interesting because again we we were introduced to to fatty last episode we are introduced to, to a lot more bounty hunters this episode and not as many bounty hunters are quite as uh honorable decent people yeah. as as our, our crew of, of spike and jet and to a lesser extent Faye, um because you have some just truly terrible uh people trying to do some really terrible things to to the wait staff of this particular um this particular establishment uh but of course spike comes out and <laughs> he's extremely hungover while this fight is starting and he is trying to make something called a prairie oyster which is I don't know if this is a real thing, but it is. It's based off something someone's probably at least tried. <laughs> uh, it's made with gin, a raw egg yolk, hot sauce, and pepper. Uh, and it is uh, supposed to uh, uh, be good for hangovers to help cure. So hangovers. do you want to know what the traditional uh, prairie oyster, which is a real thing? I don't is? really, but go ahead and tell yes, me. Yes, anyway. you do. It's a raw egg, Worcestershire sauce, vinegar and or a hot sauce, table salt, and ground black pepper. Tomato juice is also sometimes added, reminiscent of a Bloody Mary. And I think he makes a reference to a Bloody Mary at some point. Um, And the mixture is quickly swallowed. The unbroken yolk causes the drink to bear a texture similar to that of an oyster, hence the name, and is referred to as a traditional cure for hangover and has appeared in the media for decades. So it is not just a make of 
of of Cowboy Bebop. This is a a real a real uh, a real thing. <laughs> of course it is. We had uh, we had Poker Alice in the first episode or second episode, and now we've got Prairie Oysters here. Um, so uh, during this fight, of course, the the other bounty hunters cause spike to spill his egg yolk that he's trying to to get onto his lap and just another very funny scene uh to which spike gets very angry and starts beating the crap out of all of the bounty hunters fighting <laughs> yeah so yeah and he and vt basically clean house and they strike up a rapport because usually when when uh, a local is chatting with spike that where it's that's not involved a bounty it's a generally a pretty friendly conversation they're having a good back and forth until she finds that he's a bounty hunter and she's just like, just get lost. Yeah, which which happens. Uh, meanwhile, I do want to to kind of parse over to what Faye has been doing this entire time, because she thinks she's got a line on where uh, she's been told in this really silly sort of family restaurant that this yeah. is where Decker's going to be. And she's eating this massive ice cream sundae with a very tiny spoon. I love that. I love that imagery. It's so funny. I know uh, it's like the way that people have eaten ice cream sundaes in the past, but I, I have never been uh, one to partake with a little spoon. So <laughs> <laughs> um, this scene includes one of my favorite lines in this show so far. Um, so Faye sees this big, gigantic dude come in and sit <laughs> down and uh, she goes over to him, assuming that this rough, uh, rough character must be must be Decker because why else would this guy be here? And she goes over to him and she flirts with him a little bit to get close. And then she pulls a gun on him and, 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 and just right up to his, right up to his chin. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. And uh, she's like, and, and, and he's freaking out because he doesn't necessarily know what's going on. And, and she's been told that he has a snake, that Decker has a snake ta- or a dragon tattoo, excuse me, a dragon tattoo. And, uh, and she calls out to the guy from the other booth who, as we learned very quickly, is the real Woody Allen looking Decker, uh, who uh, she calls on him to go and call the uh, call the cops, uh, to which he just bolts as she realizes when she sees that tattoo. Oh, no, that's him. I got to go after that guy. And she rips open the dude that she's held the gun to shirt and sees his awkward, smiling eel tattoo and she's like, that's not a dragon. What do you why do you have a tattoo like that? And he just looks at her and says, I got a thing for eels. And it's just wonderful. Mwah. Mwah. Every everything about this. I mean, then this this episode is not only full of, of fun references like uh, VT is uh, one of the fun notes that I, I picked up was that VT uh, are also the initials for the first woman to ever step foot in space. Valentina Treshkova, which cool. Tereshkova. I I thought that was awesome. VT is just this great character and they they they're just so good at giving you like the the bones of a character without, you know, giving you a massive info dump. We find out a little bit about her as time goes on, but it's all in quirks. Like the fact that there's an ongoing bet that she's been collecting a fat stack of cash because no one knows what her initials stand for. So people come up, put down a bill and make a guess. And she just keeps collecting the money. She hasn't done anything with it. But because well, the money goes to whoever guesses her yeah, name. The money, the money goes to whoever guesses. And and even when we find out who she is, like just all of that, we, it, it's a payoff. But like they could have they could have said the same thing when she first introduced the game to Spike, you know, 
And but Spike ends up. I know exactly who you are. Because, so, of course, he does. Well, he only finds out at the end. So no, no, I know that. He doesn't like, know the whole he time. Sees, he sees he sees a specific thing. He's like, I know exactly what this is. Um, but um, uh, well, the, I, the I, character I, is just so much fun. Like this, this just cool, badass trucker. And she's just. I mean, even seeing her in the in the in the spaceship calling out all the CB handles when they're uh, trying to hunt down Decker, the, C, the CD handles, including Love Machine, uh, Sneaky Snake and Spider Mike of the Black Panther of Jupiter. <laughs> I, I that stuff just put a smile on my face. Everything about this episode just makes me happy. Like and we get to see inside their their, you know, cockpits of their stuff. And it's really it's really fun. It's really good. Um, uh, even, so going back to, to, to VT's name, the three guys from, from Tijuana in the first episode show up to challenge <laughs> VT to find out what her name is, which I loved that, that little moment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the only thing about this, that like when we get into the actual plot of what's going on, of course, VT after, you know, after dropping Spike off with uh, she, she does warm up and drop Spike and Faye who face poor ship. Oh, nearly destroyed. Yeah. It, 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 she drops them off on the bebop. And then of course she gets a line about where Decker is and what Decker's doing and where Decker's headed. And she ends up, uh, she ends up radioing Spike uh, and Faye to 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 let them know, and so they can go go after it. And it turns out they're going to the to this Linus mine, and this mine is like this this asteroid mine that's kind of hollowed out, but it's 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 not in use anymore. So it's all dark, and it's really cool. I love seeing stuff like that. I like asteroid mining as a concept. It's used a lot in, in Gundam, and it's it's kind of the uh, of a of of a sci fi. Hopefully, moving into sci fact. Uh, uh, territory but uh mm-hmm. but this is this is just another one where the, this is probably the only real criticism i have of this episode is that it becomes like a big action scene but i don't it do, i don't know it doesn't have like a that satisfying of a conclusion mostly because decker of course dies again yeah and they can't I, I collect think, a bounty again <laughs> i th- i think the them surviving is the conclusion enough for me because i mean i was i remember watching this episode i was really worried oh are they gonna kill vt because i really don't want them to kill vt and I, if it were up to me vt would be appearing more often in this show because <laughs> again she's been one of my favorite characters um but no, I, 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 I guess because, you know, Decker was kind of even though he's the bounty, he's he's just the thing that's moving the adventure of these specific characters along, like getting him at, at least from an audience perspective is less interesting than seeing how these characters in this situation are going to react together. For sure. And for sure. I. I, I was okay. I was okay with it. I, I I get being slightly disappointed. It didn't bother me as much, but um, yeah, I just I this, again, like I was telling you, this is the episode that I th- I thought you were going to say that you didn't like that oh, much. No, I like this episode a lot. I think VT is such a cool character, like <laughs> cranking heavy. It's so weird to hear heavy metal music in this in this jazz <laughs> show in a way that uh, blues at least made some sense, but uh. 
No, and I also love where she scolds Faye about being uncultured for not appreciating heavy metal. Um, I, I, yeah, I, everything about this episode, I'm a big, big fan of. I, I think, I think this works so well also as a standalone episode. Like, if I was going to show someone an episode of Cowboy Bebop and this happened to be one of them, I think you get, could get a lot of what the show's about. I, I feel like this episode is another one that's kind of like a calling card episode where it's like, I love that they have these standalones where I could show someone, hey, check this out. And they watch that one episode, not knowing who anyone is and still has a great time. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. This 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 is a very good sort of. uh, Yeah, standalone episode in the middle of the show. All our characters, really, all our characters we have so far are established now, and we might get a little bit about them here and there, but but that that continues on. Uh, also, even I won't eat the bean sprouts, even I won't eat the bean sprouts. Uh, so <laughs> so that is where we're going to stop talking about Cowboy Bebop this week. Uh, we went through four episodes this week. Miles, you think we can do four more next time? Sure, if 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 you're looking to do four, we can do four. I'm all right with that. Or. We could do three and we could do a little bit of a deep dive on some of our voice cast, some of this excellent voice cast that we have seen so far. You know, do that. I think we're going to do that, gang. We're going to talk about the next three episodes, uh, which is going to be episode eight, Waltz for Venus, episode nine, Jamming with Edward, going to be a pretty big one there. And number 10, Ganymede Elegy. And we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about our voice cast uh, for the show. Uh, so that is going to be next week here on The More You Nerd. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at The More You Nerd. You can go to facebook.com slash The More You Nerd. And you can uh, email us, themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com and just uh one more time thanks to uh john of 25 years later site.com for the little uh uh, correction for some of our history stuff uh you can uh follow uh their upcoming blue rose task podcast at blue rose tf pod on twitter and you can go ahead and subscribe to that show on Spotify. As someone who is about to probably go back and rewatch Twin Peaks, I will be listening. <laughs> um, so with that said, we are going to end this show, as we always do, with a rousing nerd, nerd. out. out.